Um, somebody from Classic, Rodney Kleinsmith, his son is in Odessa now. Um, and so we just want to bring him before the Lord in prayer. But beyond that, I think we also need to remember that there are many other countries in the world that are also in conflict on our own continent right now. Um, there's conflict in Mozambique. There's conflict in South Sudan. There's the DRC who have been struggling with conflict for years. There's conflict in Cameroon. There's this beautiful region up in Ethiopia called the Tigray region who's also in a, in a state of conflict and unrest right now. So let's just take five minutes just to pray into those, into those spaces. We just, we just sang now and we asked God for a fresh wind to blow, um, a fragrance from heaven. In those spaces, there's only the smell of gunpowder. There's only the scent of building rubble. We need to, for people to experience the fragrance of God in those spaces. So let's just take a few minutes pray and at the end of five minutes I'll, I'll conclude in prayer and then we'll go from there and so father we we thank you that we can come before your throne of grace today we thank you lord that we are allowed into your courts of praise and that as we do so we are able to cast our cares upon you and we thank you that you are able to deal with those issues that we cast before your throne this day father even as we pray sometimes our prayers feel so weak and insignificant, as though they are unable to make any change, except maybe make us feel a little bit better. But Lord, we thank you that the weapons that we have been given and the fight that is being fought right now is not our fight. And the weapons that you have, that you have given us are not weapons of flesh and blood, but they are weapons that are able to make an effect, that are able to make a change. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can bring these issues even of the world before your throne. And we thank you that you are able to break through in spaces where it seems that there is no way. That you are able to break through in times when it feels like this is not the right time. That you are able to break through in ways where it seems like this is not the right way. We thank you, Lord, that you are God, King and Ruler of the universe clothed in majesty, bright shining as the sun. And so we worship you today. And we thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. And we trust, Lord, that you indeed would be able to step into those spaces where there is conflict, where people have not known peace or rest for all of their lives, for generation upon generation. And some who even now, just today or yesterday or the day before, have come to know conflict. Lord, we thank you that you are able to meet each one of those at their point of need. And so, Lord, as we direct our hearts and our minds now to your word and to what it is that you're wanting to say to us, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit himself would be ministering to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Maybe you can just turn your seat or get back to where you were. So good afternoon, everyone. It's so great that all of you could join us. Um, I did just think that I wanted to mention that um, I know that it seems that the time that we decide to meet on a Sunday afternoon sometimes feels like it's up and down, like half past four, and then sometimes we meet at six. And I just wanted to let you know that it has been kind of challenging for us as the steering team 
um, to be able to meet everybody's desires in terms of just the time that we are that we are meeting at, as well as the format that we are trying to come together. And these are things that we are going to be looking into, praying into, hearing what God is saying to us um, in the next few weeks. And we hope that you would be able to engage with us as we do that. Now, over the next um, few weeks, we're going to be looking at the theme of mission as we come out of thinking about restoration and rebuilding, and now we want to remind ourselves again about actually what it is that our mission is. What is it that we have been called to? Um, and so we want to start today to try to get again somewhat of a, of a fresh perspective of what it is that we have been called to as the church. Um, and we're going to start by reading this very well-known text in Matthew chapter 28, which the heading in your Bible will say, no doubt, the Great Commission. And this is what it says. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want to ask you a question that might feel uncomfortable. Why did you bother to come here this afternoon at half past four? Why, and this is rhetorical, you don't have to shout it out. <laughs> you might hurt my feelings. Why did you bother to give up the time today to be here? Um, and of what consequences is us gathering here this afternoon? What is it going to mean beyond just this time? Because if, you, if all that you wanted to accomplish was to have a conversation with your friend or to catch up with them, then that's something that you could have actually done on WhatsApp or you could have given them a call. Um, or if you were only interested in getting out of the house, it was a nice day for a walk, why didn't I just walk in, in the direction of the church and they actually heard them mention that they had something to eat, bonus, let me get some of that. Then you could have actually made a different plan to accomplish that goal if that was what you wanted. Or if you just wanted to listen to a sermon um, or listen to someone tell you about Jesus, then you could also have done that by going online at home um, and listening to one of those prestigious preachers and teachers who are a lot more skilled than I am. And there are so many of them that you could have choose from. And you could have actually done that instead of actually coming here today. Now, and now I want to suggest to you that the reason that you are here right now is that there is something very particular about the fact that you have been called and placed here. And that you have been called and placed here and that you have actually been asked by God himself to do something for him. And that is a mission. Now, when you think about mission, what springs to mind for you? Just think about that for a second. 
when you think about the word mission or the title mission, what comes to mind? Now, I want to tell you, I want to share you what for me immediately comes to mind, and, and this is it. When, when I think mission, um, I tend to think of special agents, and I think of danger, and I think of intrigue, and in some cases there are people getting hit or kicked or shot, um, and in the end of it all, the bad guy always loses. Now that, unfortunately, is what comes to my mind when I think about mission. There's the Lord of the Rings and the mission that Frodo was on. There's obviously the Mission Impossible series. I've watched them all. Um, I see Adrian smiling, They're a fellow fan. There's the Avengers and the missions that they have had to engage with. And there's, there's Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's always encouraging civilians to get to the chopper. And then there's, there's Wonder Woman, and then there's the Incredibles, and all of them have this thing in common that there's this mission that needs to be accomplished. Now, what's interesting about our mission as the church is that it's not a whole lot different to that. We are also called by someone with authority and given power. We are also people who have a particular set of skills and abilities. And those skills and abilities I could call the ability to love and follow Jesus. Because not everybody is able to do that. We are sent to a very particular place in that text that we just read now. And that's all nations. And we as agents... We, we need to stay in constant contact with our authority, the one who has given us the mission to accomplish. And then finally, the mission is also a matter of life and death. Now, the dictionary defines mission in these terms. It says that it is a group sent to a foreign country to conduct diplomatic or political negotiations. That's the first one. And the second definition is, it is a task commissioned by a religious organization to propagate its faith or carry on humanitarian work. Now, I think that the church, the universal church, has to some extent lost some of its way when we talk about what our mission is. To some degree, some of us have started to think that going out to all nations and making disciples of them is simply about logging decisions, about getting somebody to say, yes, I will pray the sinner's prayer, and then that's that. And then some have entirely lost the drive and the conviction to reach out and then focus in turn, on just getting themselves fed on a Sunday. And that, to them, is the extent of where they are at. It's as though, for them, I think the gospel has been reduced to something like an insurance policy. And once you've made the decision to accept Jesus, your ticket to heaven is secure. Kind of like a get-out-of-hell-free card. Now, this thinking, I think, pacifies us into a state of looking like an organization that doesn't really know what it's about or is an organization 
that doesn't really show that our lives are really different to that of the world. The gospel isn't only a momentary decision that ends here now. The message that we carry as we go out on this mission is something that actually must not only change the lives of others, but it must continue to change our lives. The gospel is something that we continue to engage with for the rest of our lives. Now, I'd like to, in the next few minutes, just give us some ideas about us as the ones who are called to fulfill this mission from a, what I might think is a different perspective. And next, we'll look at a, at a different part of the mission itself. Now, looking at those verses that we read in Matthew chapter 28, we see that being a disciple actually means to go somewhere with someone, to follow someone somewhere. Jesus' first words to the guys who he called was, follow me. And this, these words were, in fact, an invitation for them to follow Jesus and have and engage with a personal loyalty to him alone. He wanted them to be with him and to go where he was leading them. And the success of making progress with disciples on mission depends on their willingness to follow Jesus. And that resonates and should resonate with us as well. How willing are we to follow Jesus? Imagine this. Imagine if you're at school, um, or maybe if you're at work, you're sitting at your desk, and you're minding your own business, you're doing what you have been asked to do, and then someone walks into the room that you are in and they start walking around. And they're looking around and they go over to the drawers and they start going through the drawers. Um, there's an open PC on the table. They start doing some applications on the, on the table. And then they come over to you and they look at what you're doing on your desk. And they lean into you and they say to you, follow me. Now, your most likely reaction to that would be to stay exactly where you are and to say no or maybe not even respond or in your mind think, who's this guy I think he is? What do you think? I'm just going to drop what I'm doing here and follow him. That would be your most likely response to the command to follow just anybody that walks into the room. Now, imagine the same scenario. You're at your desk and you're doing what you are supposed to do. But this time, if you're at school, the principal walks into the room. Or if you're at work, the CEO walks into your room. And he or she starts walking around, and um, they start going through the desks and looking at uh, documents and papers. There's an open laptop there, and they start doing applications on the laptop. They come over to your desk, they lean in and look at what you're doing, and they reach in and they say, follow me. Now, most likely, your reaction would be to jump up from your seat and follow them. You see, there's a different response that is evoked when someone who has authority tells you to follow them. You would recognize that by the authority that they assume, 
in the position that they hold that whatever they are calling you to do takes a higher priority over what you are actually busy doing in that moment. And this is what it was like for the disciples when Jesus said to them, follow me. In that moment, they had actually come to a point of realizing that Jesus is the CEO, if you were. Jesus is the king, he is the master, he is the ruler of the universe, and he had proved it to them. And so when he said to them, follow me, their response was immediate. They dropped whatever it was that they were busy with, and they followed him. And this is what it should be like for us too. We are not being called by just anyone who walked into the room. We are being called by the creator of this universe to follow him. Now, did you notice in the, in the text, those verses that we read there, that there were also people who, although they were close to Jesus and witnessed what he had done, they didn't seem to want to follow him. In verse 17 there, it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, I think every Sunday, people go to church. Those who do go to church, they sing songs of worship. They pray, much like we did. They listen to words of truth that are being shared. But when they hear Jesus' command to go out and to follow him and engage with this mission that he has given them, they doubt. Now, let me encourage you with this, if that might be you. As an agent that has been called to execute a mission, you have been equipped with everything that you need to accomplish what you have been called to, besides the fact that it is God himself that has called you. He tells us that we have been given the full armor of God, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, he says that we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Deuteronomy tells us that the Lord himself goes with you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then also at the end of the verses that we read, Jesus said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then there are many other texts that allude to the same thing, that God is with us as he leads us into this mission. So we've briefly just considered the fact that we have been called to be on mission with someone with authority, and this requires a response from us. There's a request being made of us, a demand being made of us, and this requires a response. Now, the second point that I want to make actually relates to us having a better understanding of who we are um, as the church who have been called into this mission. And I think um, this is kind of deviates away from the text in a little bit that we've been looking at, but I think it's good for us to have a foundational knowledge of who we are as we go deeper into this issue, this topic of the mission that we have been given. Now, the word church, which is what we are called, 
is an English word that we use today. Now, if you ask anyone about the church, they would probably, if you went outside on the street and you asked someone about a church, they would most likely tell you, they most likely tell you where the church is. So they'll tell you the church is on the corner of La Gratitude and Riesig. It's there, close to the Green School, as if the church is a building in which a group of people meet. But the meaning of the word church actually has a, a bit of a complicated history. Um, the oldest word for church, the word that early Christians used, is the Greek word ekklesia. And this Greek term ekklesia is actually found in the New Testament, written in Greek, 114 times. Now, the word was in use hundreds of years before the Christian church actually appeared. Before church actually existed, this word existed. Now, the word ekklesia, which is the original word used to describe us, was actually a political term. It had nothing to do with church. Now, in ancient times, this is probably four in the 4th and 5th century B.C., the Greeks were a very influential people, and they were establishing thinking around um, philosophy and how to govern and to rule people in the political area. And, and these Greeks would sit around for hours having long discussions, long philosophical discussions about how they could rule the masses. And they even at some point in time came up with a system of democracy that is still being practiced and exercised today. Now the word ecclesia is a compound of, just means two things come together, of two segments, ek, which is that first part of the word there. It's a preposition, which means out of. And then there's the verb, the last one. It's changed a little bit, kaleo, which means to call. And so it means to call out. That's what ekklesia means in its original Greek. Now, throughout the Greek world, right down to when the time the church was established and the New Testament times, the ekklesia was the name given to the gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a public space, an assembly, where they would discuss and make decisions about public affairs. And so, now based on our, on our historical um, accounts, ecclesia meetings happened in Greece and then also in Rome, in Roman city-states, um, and at the meetings, they would discuss public affairs, like the confirmation of magistrates, who the people were that would be judges. They would discuss health affairs. They would discuss whether or not that particular um, people would go to war or not. They would discuss economics and all of those kinds of things. Now, this ecclesia was this gathering of people who came together and they discussed those things. Now, when this ecclesia, which is the name given to the gathering, when they did come together, they couldn't initiate their own business. The agenda of what was to be discussed at this ecclesia was predetermined by the rulership and the king. 
in Greek times. Even though this ecclesia, this gathering of people who had come out from their houses, even though this was a place for free thought and you could air your opinion, you could not come into that space with your own agenda. Now, the ecclesia was essentially a gathering where the desires of the king would be circulated. And people discussed, and they actually only dealt with the wishes and the decisions of the king and not their own desires or wishes. Now, the last point I want to make is, to, is related to a scripture earlier on in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16 and verses 13 to 20, and then I'll tie it together and we'll close. And this is what Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20 says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, Peter means small stone or rock, you are Peter, and on this rock, Jesus is talking about himself, the big rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So those were the words of Jesus to his disciples in that moment. And Jesus is using their Greek and Roman language to describe what he was going to do. Now remember at that time the whole region was under Roman rule, and this is the language that his disciples would have understood. And so Jesus is saying there in these words, there is a kingdom out there that has its own ecclesia. There's a kingdom out there that has its own gathering of called out ones, but I am going to establish my own kingdom. And that kingdom will have its own ecclesia. That kingdom will have its own called out ones. And through my ecclesia, Jesus says, I will communicate my own desires and my own wishes. And not even the gates of Hades, Hades is the Greek word that means death, not even death will be able to stop us. Now, we have been called to the mission of going out to make disciples or members of God's kingdom, this kingdom that Jesus is talking about here, to take them from the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. And so our mission as the church, as the ecclesia of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, is to work through his desires and his wishes 
and then to execute his desires and his wishes in the same way that principalities and powers of the kingdom out there are executing and working through the desires of their rulers. And so when we think about it like that, I think we get a a perspective that the mission that we have been given is actually quite serious. And so ask yourself today, am I going to go out as someone who has been called out? Or am I going to be one of those who doubt? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us. We thank you that we bear that name, Ecclesia, the ones who have been called out of darkness into light. We thank you that you have called us, that you have chosen us. We thank you that we can be here in this space, that we can work through your desires and your wishes, and that we can execute your desires and your wishes. And Lord, as we continue to wrestle with what it is that you are calling us in our individual selves to do, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would make clear to us what it is that you desire of us. Because we also eagerly desire to have your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.